Hey, welcome everybody to podcast number 60. Um, we're trying out a new new program here for the live broadcast. Hope everybody likes it. Uh, some new features and stuff like that. Um, before we introduce everybody, um, we do have a sponsor of the month. All Star Bowling Sales has decided that they're going to help us out. And with uh, their little bit of sponsorship, we're added features like this program and hopefully a few more things along the line. Hey, so we have the regulars. Tim and Dexter Wiseman, we just lost Tim, uh, Adam Weber, and our special guest of the week, owner of Bradson Promotional Group, Daryl Bradley. Yes. I made it in. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, uh, we'll, bring, we'll bring Tim back in here for us. Sorry. <laughs> Won't be the last time, right, Tim, probably? Well, I was just checking the the chat thing and going, and I just logged myself out. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Yeah. Um, so obviously, DB, we can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, you've been a huge supporter of the Western Canadian Bowling Tour. Um, you guys provide all the the tour shirts and stuff like that. Um, what what is the future of uh, Bradson Promotional Group? on the competitive side and we know you do lots of stuff with uh the rest of the associations in five pin bowling as well yeah thanks for having me guys good to, good to be on appreciate you um you know you guys do an awesome job at all these podcasts and running the tour so just happy to help in any way i can obviously with uh you know Bradson group you know going my career building and starting off with doing uniform for Edmonton 5K, I don't know, 15 years ago. It's just a natural progression. And then uh, obviously you guys all know Mark Johnstone and Johnny. He's the one who really spearheads the sublimated bowling shirts and the sponsorship sort of driven with uh, through Bradson Group. So, you know, I can't really take a lot of credit for that. Obviously, I'm happy to help and support, but really it's Johnny who does all the shirts and the towels and, and those things and just kind of ends up writing it. He does the checks at the office. So he put the check in front of me and I'll sign it and say, here you go. Um, you know, really happy, obviously with you guys and, and the merchandise. I think that's a cool Avenue that you're doing with the hats. I mean, two of you are wearing them right now. Uh, and you know what? Uh, happy to generate some extra revenue for you guys. So that there's some money in the kitty for whatever you need to do. So I'm, I'm on board, you know, for WCPT for five and you know, for the long term. So we're always innovating and figuring out different ways that we can help. So that's just a small part. You know, my company's been very lucky, very lucky with the five and bowling. So. Yeah, for sure. You've been a huge part of uh, um, the WCBT right from the start. So uh, with John Stone's help, we've created at least a big brand and it seems like everybody's invested in it. They're willing to buy one or two shirts. It seems like every year you see new shirts come out on tour and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, cool. I mean, to see. you know, not overplugging Johnny here, but you know, he spends a couple hours a morning every morning with all the requests coming in and the design. Everybody, uh, trying to, you want this left sleeve? You want this right sleeve? You want this back here? So he's working back and forth with the graphic designers for a ton of time. But it's cool, right? Like, you know, a customer yesterday uh, stopped by and picked up seven shirts, right? And he makes these shirts um, really designed. <laughs> right. Sorry, baby, to stop you there. Your uh, Wi Fi seems to be dropping out on you there. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're enjoying the outside way too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not many times you get to go out there, so we'll uh, we'll challenge everyone I can. Yeah. <laughs> A little comment here for Dexter. Are we going to see Captain Karate shirt this year? Maybe maybe Brad some promotional will bring that back. Sure. Zero chance. Yeah. Whatever you need, bud. <laughs> Zero chance. That's the cool thing, though, right? Like you can put anything you want on these shirts, yep. right? So get as creative and as as neat as you want. I mean, when you all have the I mean, texture, you've got yours. They just had from from Chelsea, right? So that was a, a great one. And people are now sponsorship opportunities. So you know, it's so cool coming to the tournaments, and people have there's 50 shirts out there. I mean, that's it's just it's really cool to see. So happy to, you know, get a little piece of that and, and do what we can. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's sure. uh, It's been super neat because we've seen the progression over time with those shirts too. Because when they first came out, I think a, a few people were like a little apprehensive because the last thing you want to be is like, you know, feel like you're the cocky guy who wants to like, you know, have their names on the back and then it progressed and then it progressed. And now it's, it's something of pride, you know, people, uh, People love wearing them. People love showing them off. Everybody wants them. Um, so it's really it's really cool to see the progression of them. I'm, so here's I'm excited. Here's so a question for you guys: Is when do, what shirts and when do you decide to wear them on the Friday qualifying Saturday or Sunday? Like, if you only have one shirt, do you save it for Sunday, or for do you Sunday. wear it Friday? Or so each of you take your turn there. All right, so Daryl, I want to I want to break your heart here. I don't wear any of them. Um, because you're too large for your shirts. Yeah. I, I don't I don't wear any of them. Yeah. Um, but if I did wear them, it would be for Sunday. If I did wear one, um, which is like, the sole reason why he doesn't wear them anymore. Yeah, it'll make yeah, Sundays. But, <laughs> but but the thing is, like, what's really cool is that you see over time, you see like you walk into bowling center, and you can see what people like, and and their and their styles, and that obviously Dexter has a really good style. I, I do like what he does with it and the colors and the artwork he does. And Adam's a little bit darker. He likes his blues and whatnot. And, and then Carrie does, uh, you know, what, whatever he has and he signs it off and gives it away later. Cause it doesn't win for him. Right. But <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's pretty cool. Like you see a bunch of different personalities with their shirts. Right. So yeah, I kind of enjoy that. Yeah. If you're like uh, Johnny McDonald, you can just buy secondhand ones for 20 bucks instead of paying full price. So it works out great for the guys out uh, in Saskatchewan. Well, it's better than finding it in Value Village. <laughs> Adam, what about you? Do you wear a specific one on Friday and then a different one on Sunday? Yeah, typically I've made two uh, myself. Uh, I kind of have uh, my dedicated Sunday shirt, and then I'll, I'll at least try uh, kind of my, my fun shirt, I guess, so on like a Friday qualifier or a Saturday morning, depending on the, the weekend. And then I'll usually bring like a, a third shirt, whether it's uh, like a national shirt or uh, maybe like an Edmonton five pin shirt, because it's at least the same material that you're playing in all weekend. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty superstitious. I'll I'll run with the uh, the same Sunday shirt to hopefully I make it. Nice. Um, staying on the kind of the same topic as your your company here, Daryl. How has um, the COVID nineteen situation affected your business? Uh, you know, it's tough, right? Like, we've kept our doors open. Um, and with the employees, you know, I didn't make any adjustments to any sort of, you know, salaries, any of that stuff. I just wanted to hold on. I knew that there was government support coming. Um, the traditional avenue of selling promotional items, you know, your drinkware, your pens, your traditional t-shirt wasn't there. 
Um, so I quickly had to adapt. So I uh, I saw a need in the market for bottled like branded bottles of hand sanitizer. Um, honestly, they're not coming in stock for a month or two months. But I, what I did is I just bulked up on a really high large volume of them, and we've been piecing it together over the last month, uh, offering it to clients. And what it's done is opened up the door to have that conversation with customers. A, how are they doing? And and hoping, wishing them well, but also a you know getting a getting a chance to sell them something or provide them with some really good value on a branded bottle of sanitizer. We know that's coming. We know that's uh, everybody will look to have it. So we'll um, you know keep doing that. And now I've got you know the washable face mask. Right, is asking face mask. We're trying to figure out where we fit in the market for offering those types of things. Um, it's uncomfortable. Business isn't rolling through the doors. I'm definitely 50% down, um, but hopefully we'll, you know, manage it for a couple of months and come back uh, better and stronger and, and just uh, I'll weather the storm. Right? That's it's that's a way we'll deal with it. It's tough. And a lot of people in a lot worse situations than I am, though. Yeah, for sure. It, it's nice that you you have that opportunity that you can do that business kind of behind closed doors. Um, Unfortunately, there's a lot of entertainment stuff. Obviously, bowling is one of them that just can't operate while their doors are closed, which makes it tough. Yeah, I, I definitely feel for, you know, all the proprietors out there, um, you know, a lot of other businesses that have just said you, you have to close, like you're not allowed to open and you're really trying to struggle. How do I create revenue? Um, in my world, I've got millions of products around to two these days, but you know, at least I had that opportunity to, to keep earning and working, whereas a lot of people didn't. So, you know, I definitely feel for those guys that, that aren't right. So I'd love to get back in there and bowling and and, and support you guys as, as any ways we can and whatever. Let's let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you expecting a, a giant wave? Like, I, I imagine, like, once the doors start rolling open that, uh, I mean, people haven't been buying stuff for – you know, a couple of months. Are you expecting like a, a push then or not no, really? No, honestly, no. We, uh, we're we in constant, you know, communication with the clients and, you know, hopefully non-invasive way that we kind of know and have a feeling of what's going on with their events. You know, I, I don't feel like phase one, you're open, you're all those customers are now going to order. You know, it's phase two, phase three. No, it's going to be, it's going to be grind throughout the year. Uh, and just sort of find different ways of how we can be of service to different markets, and different people. And you know what, if we have to get on the phone and start calling some, some people to ask for more business, you know, then we will. Right. But no, I'm definitely not expecting, uh, it's going to be back to normal and we're all good. It's fine. Right. For sure. We'll, um, have, to, we'll have to call you and uh, ask about some masks and stuff here right away. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're going to need them. Yeah, is that what you guys are thinking, or what? Have you heard anything? Of what your guys is putting on? I mean, obviously your face, but that, you know, nothing. Well, like basically no information at all. No. How about that plexiglass? Did you guys see that picture floating around today on Facebook? That's, that's crazy. I, I I think it's absolutely ludicrous. I think that's just nuts. Yeah. Uh, um. Imagine. And I don't. And but then, but then you see the middle, the middle table. Is wide open, so you can share between the two tables between your plexiglass, right? I, I, I don't know. I don't. And like even open play, they're yeah. going to be up on the lanes at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. So at that point, does it make a difference? I don't know. 
I'm sure there's some information for, you know, bowling specific proprietors, or maybe there's a channel that a group of you guys can get together, or maybe that's already happening is try to find out, you know, what would be some specific parameters that a bowling alley could operate within. I mean, look at golf courses. There was a group of them that all got together and lobbied for golf courses. And now they have this rules and health and guidelines around golf courses, right? Well, that was something we kind of discussed last week with uh, Shelby and Martin, part of Bowl Alberta, Bowl Canada. Yeah. What were they going to do to help their proprietors within their association to help provide guidelines? And Shelby said they were working on stuff. So hopefully they can yeah. provide some guidelines like you're saying. Yeah, I would think that they would be, right? You've got some some smart people at the leadership that hopefully that they're putting the pressure onto the people that need to be doing a little bit of advocating for you guys, right? So um, in due time, obviously, you're not opening tomorrow, you know that, but maybe in a month that you can, and within from now to then, okay, here's what you need to do, or here's some of the things, and, you know, let the other people do the trial run before it comes to the rec facility, and then once you're green-lighted, let's go. Yeah. I'm hoping by that point that restrictions are reduced a little bit and it'll be good to go because, I mean, there's no point in us opening up for 15 people. No. Right? So, well, we'll see. I mean, every week is something different and, you know, you push forward and you find something to do. It is yeah. no different than any other business, I guess, but uh, figure it out as we go along. Well, the golf certainly makes a lot more sense than anything indoors, right? For sure, it's ha having that that type of space, uh, open air, and all that, and I think it's easier to regulate. Uh, that that's where we're going to have all the issues. I, I think more indoor, especially like an eight lane center, uh, who who I think probably could get away with like a fifteen, you know, per person type limit, but uh, I, I couldn't imagine like six, sixteen lanes or or Martin down at uh, Bonnie Dune. Like the, it, it just makes zero sense to to have that many people in there. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know what the next step would be. Like, it, like they're saying stage three, and I mean stage three, we're grouped in with concerts and stuff like that. Uh, uh, I know uh, Martin's wife, uh, Tracy, who works for the Mayfield. They're they're banking on a September first start, right? right? And and so if we're in the same group as them, that that's a real that's a real hard pill to swallow, right? Um, and then then there's other ones like uh, I was talking to somebody else who's part of entertainment. They said they're gonna probably be laid off for two months, which makes sense. What we talked about, you know, July start kind of thing. And I I don't I don't know. Like it's it's so up in the air. Like uh, if you read BC's today, BC said their third or their, whatever their last phase is, and I think there's more than three phases, but their last phase you have to have a vaccine. So so if so if we are. So if we are the last phase out in BC, you can't. As, as far as I read, you aren't. You're not going to be able to open a bowling center unless there's a vaccine. I, I really don't think it's going to be that extreme because no. Just look at the way the. I'd hate to say it, but we usually follow the what the U.S. is doing, right? And the U.S. is really trending towards they're going to be opening up national events in July. So are you really think we're going to be three four months behind them? I doubt it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know because we've actively been doing things directly different from the United States on purpose. Not, not really. Like there's a few States that have been different, but we followed, we followed the trend on most of the States procedures. Well, we, we, we just shut down way before they did. That's all. What's the, any bowling alleys in the state opening? I mean, yeah, Georgia has been open for a week and a half now. And but what they, wide, wide open social distancing. 
Yeah, but they also said that like I'm in a I'm in a group with um, mm-hmm. the BPA and stuff like that, and th- those proprietors are saying there's honestly no point in being open. Some of them are open, some of them aren't. The ones that are open are kind of getting some backlash, and there's hardly anybody in there. Yeah, people are gonna so. restrain from it, right? But I guess you gotta weigh it. If you're if you're a shareholder in your in your bowling center and you're the only one working, so you're the only one taking a wage. You might as yeah. well be open and have the two lanes running, yeah. right? Yeah, I guess that's the question to the proprietors. What is the cost of operating a business, turning the lights on and turning the machines on? Yeah. You know, if it can it be just Tim and Dexter and they're working and you have eight groups of families, you know, all two lanes apart, that'd be worth it, wouldn't it? Right? Well, like you said, to, to an extent. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's the question to all the guys, to, you know, even you know, listeners. Like, what, what, at what point is it worth it? So, yeah. um, so th- there's uh, in Alberta for sure. I'm not sure if it's national, but there's subsidies up to like 75, or you have to lose 75% of your wages or 75% of your income uh, profit from uh, for, for businesses, and then you get the subsidies for it. So if if you come in and and you you know just squeak over that 25% threshold, um, are you better off? I don't know. Are you, yeah. are you better off like not doing that and then getting the subsidies or are you, I don't know. I, I don't think you're better off taking subsidies because there's going to be a catch 22 on that. You watch. I think yeah. you'd rather be open, take your lumps, receive your income and move forward with what you've got. So there's only so many months you could do that though. Crazy yeah. comment there. You might see that from Jeff England saying proprietors in the States have received death threats. I mean, that's obviously not cool. So there's people, and people in Alberta with just small businesses receiving death threats yeah. for having doors open. It's not just entertainment, right? No, like I think that you know, if we're in phase two, right? There's a whole sector that's already open in phase one, close contact people. There's a whole now in phase two, you're open. Maybe now you see, okay, let's phase three, let's open, or phase two, or somewhere in that middle ground. I mean, I think that once things going, I think that we'll get things going again. I think the biggest scare some people obviously is the second wave. Right. Is that coming? When would that come? Does that mean that we shut down again and everything's mm-hmm. back to lockdown? I mean, why are we even I, open? I, I, I my my personal view on the second wave is I, I strongly believe if they wouldn't open us up, hopefully, for us to shut down again. Uh, the governments, I think, yeah, with, with, with these health measures and everything else, I think obviously they're opening up thinking that our hospitals can be able to not be burdened and, and complete go in a crisis now. Yeah. So, I, I think the second wave might not be. I'm fingers crossed. You don't know. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not like a scientist or a medical professional, but I think the second wave. Um, I think they wouldn't open us up if they're thinking the second wave would be deadly again, right? Or if, if they're not prepared, I guess you can say. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I kind of hopefully believe in that, right? So have to start thinking positively, but it's so tough with everything going on, right? Yeah, so. uh, I mean, bless you guys and all the other companies that are in that position of not open at all right now. You know, like Jennifer said, there's, you know, some, some, some bowling centers have had to close down completely. I mean, that's the worst case, absolute worst case and, and breaking for that. Right. So uh, I hope you can get going again and, um, and we can all support the bowling centers again. We all miss it. That's for sure, boys. So I guess we'll, we'll continue on Jen's comment. So old orchard shut down in BC. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Correct. And, yeah. uh, 
like I'm not sure about the whole Elmira situation, but they obviously have closed their doors. Yeah, that um, wasn't not saying, not saying it's due to COVID, but yeah, there you're seeing a lot of these centers that were already probably not in the greatest positions are forcing to shut down. The subsidy isn't even enough, right? No. Do you have a sense that there'll, there'll be more just in your discussions? For yeah. sure. I think so. I think there's been more people hurting than you think there is at the end. And I, I, I think, um, September is such a, it's a, like a, it's the bread maker, right? September comes around, people start coming back. And, uh, if that is uncertain and it affects your, your mean potato season between, you know, September and April, I think it's going to be tough. I think there's going to have to be some creative ways of bringing people in or something, right? Uh, it has to be some cuts. Well, it, and it is, if you're allowed to bring people in, uh, that that's, that's my concern. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for people to turn a profit when you're going to have to run with, you know, twice the staff for half the people, because you have people running around disinfecting, cleaning everything. You have one person handling the money, um, you know, who runs tangles, who cooks food. Like, I mean, we, we may have to have, you know, we'd have two people work for, you know, eight lanes before we're, we're going to be at four people or four people to work, you know, four or five people to work eight lanes. And then you still got to try to turn a profit on that. It, it, if you can only run at 50%, it's going to be really tough. So that really depends on how long that runs to. Because if that starts running into the high season, that's going to be tough. Right. We are, like you're saying, but there's also a 75% wage subsidy to help offset those extra people that you need to work. And students are 100% subsidy right now. So you should be hiring high, high school students. Again, right? it just depends on it depends on uh, how much profit you make. If you, if you make 50% of your normal profit, then you lose all that subsidies. And now you're really in trouble. No, it's you know? 75%. It's 75. I thought it was you had to be under, you had to lose 75%. It's a, no, it's a 30% reduction. Okay. Okay. Well, and that's helpful. Yeah. yeah. As long as you're down, if you're down 30%, then you qualify for the subsidy. Perfect. Then, right. yeah. Yeah. Then fingers crossed for sure. And that's based on your January, February revenue too, the average of the two. So your January, February revenue should be through the roof. Yeah. Right. It should be your high season. So, it, it should get you through the early part of fall, hopefully, right? Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, let's see how long they run the subsidies for and go from there. Yeah, it's banked till September right now, but that's going to be extended too, right? Yeah. And that's the crazy thing is that how do we keep as a government paying and providing subsidies and, you know, these things when let people work? I mean, obviously there's a safety and I'm definitely worried about people's safety. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm part of me that says let's people work and earn money rather than keep providing subsidies and bailouts that my future great-grandchildren will still be paying for. Yeah, yeah. For, for sure. We're, we're going to have PST in this province, I yeah. guarantee you. Increase yeah. <laughs> GST. Don't, don't talk like that. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Why don't you just, increase, increase GST to 6%? It's 1%. It's national. I don't know. I'm not an economics major, but I'm just saying there's going to be something coming down the road. For sure. Yeah. And that's yeah. fine. Throw another percent on there. Sure. Right. Uh, we should move on to another topic. I don't want to have your podcast here on our podcast. Yeah. So, uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Daryl, you've obviously been part of Five Pin Bowling for a long time as a player yourself. Um, recently, you made the Edmonton men's team, unfortunately, without yeah. a chance to go to nationals. Um, what do you think of the state of the game? Do you feel that it's changed quite a bit since you started playing? Where is it at? 
Yeah. Wow. Good question. Uh, deep, Gary. Deep. Um, always, always. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the players now are so good that it's in my mind, it's not even comparable to what the type of game it was. Um, you know, 20 years ago or 25 years ago, right? I mean, I'm that's I'm not that old, but I've been around. Or, you know, I've been bowling for 30 plus years, right? And competitively for 25. Um, it's uh, it's a different world now. Maybe I'm just more. I see it more, and it's more forefront. And you see all the guys on the tour that are playing. But I mean, you look at the cut lines when you're shoot, when you're thinking that you have to shoot 2200 to make a cut. Uh, it, it messes with you, man. Uh, I, you know, honestly, back in the day, you'd be making cuts with 2000s, you know, 2050s. I remember making or KG Bull, Saskatoon. Oh, I don't know, 20 years ago, I missed two cuts in a row with 2098 one year. I think Ken Black, he, uh, you know, threw a, a quarter pin in his 12 to beat me by one, and I was at the back of the ball. And, was like, ah! and then uh, the next year, I think it was 2115, right? And I was like, wow, this is pretty big. And I sat on both of those scores, right? There's no chance that anybody at any of these tournaments would be sitting on those scores, right? I mean, it's a uh, it's a cool vibe. I mean, guys are grinding and working, but you gotta you gotta shoot from the beginning and to make it. So, you know, WCBT is is a different level. Uh, you know, I, I want you guys to continue to grow and to attract the best players from all over. Um, add the extra day on the Thursdays. You know, we gotta we gotta make these as big as we can. So the the state of the game competitively is very strong, right? No, it's, you know, from the open carry, you asked about that, how that felt. Um, I've always been an open player, right? That's been my jam. I'm not a master's player. And honestly, I'm not a really great cash game player. But when it comes to making an open, um, you know, the 20 game uh, sort of thing, that's something with me that I'm like, I just feel like I can make it every time. I just sort of know that I'm going to, right? Um, so I was super stoked to play this year. Like it was, you know, I've had some really great teams over the years, so you can get into that. But, you know, honestly, first time I'd actually play on a team with Tim and Dexter was uh, really exciting to look forward to. Uh, you know, with, with Schultz and, you know, had a great looking team, Bradley, you know, it was, uh, I was really excited, Aaron, uh, to play, um, and just, you know, be a part of the team and have Lynn as a coach. Obviously I wasn't going to put a ton of pressure on with the crew that we had, but it was, it's, it's disappointing, you know, but yeah, yeah, good. And let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, it was. Yeah. And like, you know what, you came back this year and you, you were like super committed to, you know, being super competitive and um, you grew a lot this year too. like right from the start, like all the way through, you've been trying new things and we've had lots of fun discussions about stuff. Yeah. And uh, um, yeah, it was, it was super cool to see you uh, come out and make that team. And yeah, we were really looking forward to playing with you. Hopefully we still get to play. Yeah, um, we will. You know, but, and that, uh, good point on that Dex. Like, the game's changed so much that I had to start to learn what balls do different things, you know, the lane conditions. And you guys are the ones that has pushed that for everybody is to have to think about the game a bit more and what sort of, you know, products that you're using. Um, and, and yeah, you know, you look at Dexter, he's the one second approach. So I did that one Sunday night and I shot 1280 for four and I was like just up on the lane and going. So I figured I'm going to do the, the hurry up game, right? Um, you know, just not as much thought process, not as much Adam and Tim standing up there for two minutes before to throw a ball. <laughs> you know, I used to be a bit slower, but I've tried to speed it up, you know, a different backup using my soft roll this year, whereas I was always my star line guy, right? Just pound it down the middle and 
Um, you know, a slider, honestly, the, the approaches at Sure Park make a huge difference for a guy like me um, with a good slide and my knees aren't hurting and my back's not hurting. So to be able to have uh, a center that I was really happy with being able to, you know, slide on, uh, easy, right? It was, uh, it took that part of the game out of it that we could, yeah. you know, start to learn the different things and play with the, the angles and play with these things, which is cool, right? So. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's nice to see somebody come out to league and like use it and like try new things and, you know, um, because it's important and, and so many people just get stuck in the same thing and, and don't try things. It's, uh, you never know when you're going to need it. Right. So yeah, it was, it was fun. It was, it was nice having those yeah. conversations with you. Yeah. Um, to keep bombarding you with questions, Daryl, might as well keep this going. Um, there was a bit of a controversial um, open decision made a few years ago in Lloyd Minister. Derek Holm took you out of Calgary, took you as a coach for his singles spot. Um, yeah. Did you feel, um, I guess, honored to be asked from yeah. a different zone? Or was it, uh, were you a little leery to go down to the pit with him since he was from a different zone? Yeah, honestly, I can't remember who all was in the stepladder. Um, I know Wilton obviously was at the end. I don't remember if there was an Edmonton player in there. Um, I think I was I was coaching that year, or was I playing that year? No, yeah. I was playing. Yeah. You were playing. I was playing on the mixed team. Um, I had coached a couple years before the Northern team and also the Edmonton uh, team. And, you know, guys, obviously I've been around for enough time that you guys know my mentality and I've, you know, sort of tried to be a bit of a, you know, cool head and leader around and a bit of a coach sort of thing and see that stuff. So uh, I was super honored when, when Derek asked me, I was, you know, it wasn't a hard decision. Sure, man, I'll support you and I'll help you. I mean, you're asking me and you, you want to go win, let's go do it. Uh, you know, when we sat down on the pit, we didn't, I wasn't going to tell them like, you know, technical things. So we just started having a chin wag. Like, honestly, I think that the, Derek would be even say, I said, what's your favorite meal from Kentucky fried chicken? Right. And he looks at me like, really Are you talking about this? I'm like, well, what else did you bring me down here for? Right? <laughs> we were just having a shooting the shit and just keeping them calm. But I asked him obviously a couple of things like Derek, what's the last thing you want to hear? Right. What are what are some of the you know encouraging words to, to say? Right. So, uh, you know, he let me a couple of those things and it was easy and it was uh, to, to help him and to stand behind him. And let's go Big D. Come on, Big D was his last thing. Right. And we were there for him. And obviously he'll tell the story about, you know, sparing the split. Uh, when he comes back and looks at me, he's like, what do, what do I do? <laughs> you spare the thing. That's what you do, right? And obviously, Wilton, you know, sad for him, but very happy for Derek, right? Um, and it was cool. I, mean, I think that, you know, should open that up, that you don't have to go to the same person or your same coach. You can go off the rails and go and get anybody you want, right? Or, you know, you may don't have to be right at the in the pit with you, but, I mean, there should be some more flexibility in my mind on who do you bring down as a singles coach to the pit. Well, especially since like our bowling community is so close knit, right? And I, and I find us getting more and more close knit every year. So I mean, we're we're going to all these tournaments, the WCBT and like Masters and whatnot, and we see all these people all the time. And there's certain people that you just connect with better. Um, I I don't I don't see a problem with it. I mean, considering we're all friends, it, it, and the singles is an individual thing, anyways. I mean, sure, you're representing your you're still representing your you know zone, but. Uh, it, it's it's still an individual thing. I I think that's great. I yeah. I think if you guys were playing against them, um, I don't think you'd have a problem with it either. Either 
you know, I'd probably be the choice to you first. Hey, Dex, you're going to be playing, you're in the stepladder. Um, who are you taking for a coach? Or have you thought about that? And you'd be, you know, Lynn or Mike or, you know, whoever else, Len or whoever, right? And, and okay, that's fine. And then I would ask you, I think I would have even said, do you have a problem if I go down with, uh, with Derek? Yeah. And I don't think anybody, most, most guys wouldn't say no. So it, it, it kind of happened between me and Adam last year. Right last year, yeah, it was. Um, Adam, Adam, obviously, I knew he wanted Lynn because him and Lynn had a good connection, and and he's always about superstition, and he's always one with Lynn. Um, so I don't know why I gave him that choice, but uh, but I would but beat I, you but, with anybody. <laughs> well, yeah, at that point, yes. Um, but I had I picked Mike, and obviously Michael Cousier was um, playing at Calgary, but I mean he has really strong ties from Edmonton, and we had no issues with our team picking that. Honestly. Uh, I can't even tell you. I uh, had, had Desiree and I had Jerry Anderson, right? And I'd never had much experience with them, to be honest with you, if I, if I was picking another coach, right? And I think Dexter had the same issue, right? Because Dexter was on the step ladder too, I believe, right? He was the fifth. So I don't yeah. know who, I don't, who, who, I don't, I think, I think Len was your choice. I think, was and, he? and I think, <laughs> for, for which year? Last year? For last, last year, yeah. I, I, so I think, so you had North in there, I had Calgary, and we had Edmonton representing three Edmonton singles, right? Um, you're right. Uh, with the tour and everything, we, we travel all together, and I don't think anybody really has an issue with it. Uh, maybe ten years ago, Daryl, I think it'd be a huge issue, right? It, ten years ago, people would be like, "Why? Why are you picking?" It that was or? close to ten years ago. Yeah, that was probably close, maybe twenty, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was there controversy? Uh, I don't think there was controversy. Yeah. I think, uh, okay, so so there's a little inside information. There yeah, was yeah. people buzzing about it. Hmm. They what that? There was people talking about it. I'm not yeah, going to name it. Why? Why are they allowing that? That's not fair. Really? Did I get Derek home to the to win it? Let's be honest. He's the one throwing the shots, right? Yeah, sure, you're keeping him calm, but it's, you know, it's uh, there was a time that you probably weren't. I mean, you see Mark saying that. So I think the, the flexibility of the rules need to be allowed. If you're in a stepladder, you should be allowed to choose whoever you want. And I don't even know if there's the level one, level two intro, intro to comp, how that all works anymore. I think that if you make yourself to a stepladder, you got you got full right to bring a buddy down to the pit if you want. For sure. Right? Daryl, I think the biggest problem was Central wasn't part of the, the, the stepladder and Carrie's just a little bit upset about it. Oh, <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, wow. dude. Anyways. Anyways, now, now we got controversy. Controversy. No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand your comment. I <laughs> no, wasn't no. in the stepladder. What did I care? <laughs> just, <I'm> just <laughs> but that's the progression of the sport and the people, right? You should be able to, to, to do that, right? We can... Well, and quite yeah. frankly, if, if if my options are, are rather limited because other coaches are going elsewhere and I don't feel comfortable with any of those other people, I'd rather be down the pit by myself than be down there with somebody who might actually be a hindrance to my game. And quite frankly, I've, I've played against people where I know coaches have been a hindrance to their game. And uh, it makes it easier for me, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think if you can just keep the, the mindset on something just really like generic, it doesn't even have to be on the bowling itself. Um, like from, from a coach's uh, point of view, like uh, I had a, uh, who had uh, Mike uh, Lacusi in uh, Regina a couple of years back. Uh, I think I was playing the, um, uh, the, uh, the extra shift to try to get in 
um, to to the main event, and uh, we didn't talk bowling once, yeah. and uh, I ended up shooting like thousand sixty or something like that. We never talked about bowling. Just get up there, throw a ball, come back. I think uh, we were just talking about his hockey or something like that. So I knew it was all BS, anyways. But uh, it was, uh, yeah, no, it, it's just, it's so important just to kind of keep an even keel. And really, I don't even think it matters who's in your pit uh, more often than not, because you're, you're so focused on just the moment. And uh, the, the coach should just be just kind of keeping you comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Uh, so go ahead, go ahead, Tim. No, no, I was just saying you just have to be a little bit selfish sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a question in the chat from Chris Reddy. He's asking, uh, are you allowed to bring your own coach to a tournament? And he's kind of referring to the WCBT. It's a, it's a singles event. I don't think anybody would care if you brought a person to help you help you out. Obviously, you don't want them on the lane instructing you while you're pl- competing. But behind in the pit, I don't feel that there is any – anybody that would say boo and if they do uh, there's no rule against it so obviously yeah, I that I that's think more most, than fair most coaches aren't right behind you on the approach line you know doing that you know at a tournament but there's lots of coaching going on at wcbt events right like adam just said you just sat with the mic you know and had a comfortable feeling with them i mean lots of you guys probably have that you find yourself in a rhythm having good conversations might be talking bowling might not be talking bowling but you know, guys are helping you through scenarios and helping you through things, right? There, there's all kinds of that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is just fine. That's also why it's growing as a sport and in a community at this level, because we are all able to chip in and you know offer advice, and and it's yeah, it's just it's a comfortable community. Uh, back in the day, it was so cutthroat. Yeah, wouldn't you say? Like, I mean, think about some of your better experiences with a coach or with somebody that you didn't actually talk about bowling. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, honestly, that's that's one hundred percent my game. Like I, I'm down there. I don't I don't talk about bowling. I'm sitting there just like talking stupid shit pretty much all the time. And like, yeah, I spend my entire time just chatting with people because yeah. uh, I'll focus for my three seconds about the back of the lane and then go up and throw my ball. But yeah. otherwise, like if I sit down there and I just try to sit and, and talk about bowling nonstop, yeah. I, I'm screwed. Game over. Uh, do you guys see um, maybe possible paid coaching becoming a thing with WCBT growing so much? A lot of money's involved. Um, there's a lot of investing going on. Do you feel that some people might be certain paying for coaching and getting lessons on the side to help bring their game up the extra 10, 20 pins that they need to make these cuts? Like a golf pro? I could see it for like the tour championship. Right, having a little bit more of a dedicated session, you, you see it in the World Series of Poker all the time, right? Once uh, you end up, uh, or at least before, you had the November nine, and it was a couple, um, couple months after the uh, the other event, and you'd actually get you know paid you know professionals helping you out. Uh, right now, I just, I'm not sure the money's quite there. Like I, I think we're on the cusp to to, to really breaking out into that. Um, but I, I know for a fact that there is a lot of chatter that does go go along, especially you know in those last couple of months before for tour championship. Mm-hmm. I think there should be. That's a great question, Carrie. I mean, that'd be awesome for coaches to be able to. You know, it's not, I don't think it's about the money. I think it's more about the the respect and being asked to support somebody specifically. You know, hey, can you come to Regina or you can you come to Calgary with me? 
and help me with my weekend and, and through my game. And for that, I'll pay for your hotel room or whatever, man. They just more, more specifically just asking, Hey, you know, Dexter, you know, we've been talking lots. Can you focus on my game for this shift and stay and hang out with me and chin wag with me and see if I need a glass of water and, you know, some of those things, you know, that would be cool that if there was a coach's pool that, you know, or you could hire somebody or, you know, I don't know what it, what that looks like, but, you know, that would be cool that, you know, yeah, you, these are coaches that are respected in the game, but also from a, a, a tour's perspective. Well, it's I, been such a volunteer's position for so long that, it'd be nice to give them something back for, for not only, I guess I shouldn't say only coaches that go to the courses, because there's obviously a lot of great coaches that have never been to a course. They just understand the game and stuff like that, but that dedicate their time to do this stuff. Yeah. Maybe they get some happiness from it if they win a medal or something like that, but let's be fair. Everybody deserves something for their time. And you know, there's a lot of coaches on teams that teams really don't care if the coach is there or not. And it, it might be a big waste of time for them. So my question is in leagues, you know, you've got some pretty good leagues that are out there and there has been in the past. And, you know, uh, I know what Regina has their uh, cash, you know, their leagues in Ontario. And why is there not coaches at these leagues? So our Sunday night match here at Sherwood Park you know, there's what 48 bowlers, Tim, yeah. but here's the two coaches. So if you want to go and talk to them, go and talk to, you know, Ernie or Jim. Right. And if you want to, if you know, you can engage with them, but have we ever thought about having coaches at leagues, you know, as a volunteer or as a paid, you know, mm -hmm. your prize money or part of your league money. Right. Then you have a, a specific opportunity to go and speak to a coach. Obviously he shouldn't be down the lane going from lane to lane, telling everybody what to do and how to do it. But you know, there's an opportunity to engage with coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the ice cream man there. Yeah. Yeah. There <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually don't mind that idea at all, especially especially for like our mixed leagues. Um, I I think that would be uh, that'd be great. There's a lot of people who'd like join for the first time, and you know they're they're not super comfortable. They don't know what to do. Um, we run some clinics for them every once in a while, but it would be. It wouldn't be a bad idea to have a coach there every other week where you can, you know, if you want to like, you know, bounce some ideas off of, you can go and do that. I, I don't mind that idea at all. We're pretty open with I mean, our league bowlers. We're like, hey, like if you have questions or whatever, come up and see us and, you know, we'll, we'll take a quick look at you and see what we can point out and, you know, wander away. But uh, yeah, that's like that. not have been. the average bowler, the, you know, 150 to 170 or less asking you guys, they might be a little bit more intimidated to come asking, you know, Dexter and Tim and Adam on a Thursday night. Right. Um, but if you know that coach DB is hanging out and around, you might have a guy who want to come over and Hey, like, can you just watch me for a couple of frames? Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Bud. Right. But they don't want to oh. interrupt you because you're bowling. You know what I mean? A couple of trains of thought, Daryl. I, one, um, First of all, you look more like a pro than Dexter and I would. I mean, you're a little bit more in shape. Look like a girl called pro Kipper, me and Dexter, but we don't fit in that. Bowlers make better bowlers, Tim. We already discussed <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, I think Dex and I, obviously, are a little bit more approachable than an Adam would because he, they know us there, right? It's a little bit sure. different. Sure. But I, I want to throw this out here, and I don't know. Kerry can probably attest this more because he follows it more than I do. But for 10-pin, <laughs> when you go to these tournaments, right, 
Um, they have coaches, but I think it's based off their like Storm or Brunswick or those guys, right? That's what I foresee this thing as more than more than just uh, somebody coming around. I mean, five pin and ten pin are two, two totally different games, but that's where I see this at, right? I mean, I can see like a, a rep or somebody that's there to help out something like that. That's how I yeah. see it more than anything. That'd yeah, be super neat. So, like here I am, like sponsored by Dexter Shoe Company. And uh, so is Carrie. And uh, I mean, even like though, like he's not as competitive these days, but let's say Lynn is the coach. So he's sponsored by Dexter Shoe Company and he follows around and he helps those guys out while Adam and Tim are sponsored by Lynn's or, you know, something like that or yeah. uh, Big Rock yeah. or something. And then like have, have their coach do that. Yeah. It, like Tim was saying, on the, on the 10 pin side, they're ball reps. So they go around and they watch ball reactions and stuff like that. And they say, well, that ball is doing something. So here's another ball that hmm. will give you a little bit different luck, right? So they're there trying to improve what you're doing. And maybe that is something that comes along. Obviously, five pin bowling won't have ball reps because the the companies just don't seem to seem to care that much about the game. They just like selling the rock and then you use it for a lifetime like Adam does. <laughs> but you hate time out. I, I saw a video, I saw a photo this week and I said, I think I sent it to you boys. Pederitis, 146 <laughs> balls, 146 <laughs> balls. And that wasn't the whole photo. I saw on the duck pin site. I'm like, are you kidding me? I was like, I, I, I'm lucky to use two. Like Adam's lucky to use two, right? That's crazy. Somebody had to bring me a beer. <laughs> yeah greg pederice has got quite the collection and he does a lot of trading and stuff like i i do believe he's trying to fill his collection it's not like he has a bunch of doubles and stuff like that it's pretty neat yeah i mean that's you guys probably know also more about these balls than in a lot of people is the you know the, the soft roll the hard rolls the star lines all these things and and that's it's mind-blowing to me and i've been playing for a long time you know, you wonder if if you should make some sort of a, a, a chart or maybe that's all-star bowling. Make something that's an easy-to-read, you know, chart. Um, maybe they already have that, right? Same with shoes, you know, type of thing. You know, like make something that's really easy for people to understand. Um, yeah. People might try, right? So, so, so you don't you don't have the legends telling you, oh, it does this when it's like, no, it's clearly not <laughs> even close to what that does. Yeah. <laughs> and these so links. The, your, all your lanes that we're playing on, I mean, it's they're different than the old wood lanes. Yeah, the day, yeah right? exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's something uh, Carrie and Jeff Young and I are going to be doing right away. Cool. So, yeah. Well, a, shout out a couple old old boys. Uh, Jimmy Norcus, I saw him on there, right? Yeah. <laughs> I got great uh, nationals at the Open, uh, Jimmy Norcus. And then uh, I saw a guy, Curtis Voss. He's actually a, a guy from Shura Park here too. And he's a he is a bowler. His mom bowled at Shirley Park for many years. Remember Shirley Voss, boys? And uh, so, Curtis, there you go. Chiming in, bud. You got on the show, too, huh? And, and Lenny, we're not ignoring you. We understand all your coaching is perfect from all the sponsors that you're sh shouting out. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate it. But we do, we do have a question for uh, Dexter's Rule Book Corner, and we're going to put it up here. Uh, it's regarding the, the stick. Um, as it's been cued, um, is it a foul if the stick goes if the stick goes over the line with the ball, or does the ball have to be released before it crosses the foul line? 
Uh, a legally delivered ball is a bowling ball that is delivered legally when, by manual means, it leaves the bowler's hand or prosthesis um, and crosses the foul line into the playing area. So it has to leave before the foul line. Or it can't touch the lane bed while it's in contact with the ball, correct? Yeah. But you can follow through. You can't. You're, you're, yeah. The stick should not be touching the ball past the foul line. There you go. That is from Dexter's Rulebook Corner. That is law. You can <laughs> crop this video and share it with whoever you need to. That is official now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, DB, obviously, you, you kind of touched on your coaching and stuff like that, but we're going to give you some special guest questions that we ask all our guests. Yes. And we'll uh, see what you can come up with here for us. So... Who's your mentor growing up? Ooh, good one. Um, honestly, if I'm going to go first shout out back to early on in the days of bowling YBC would be uh, Ernie McClellan, right? Him and I, he just was was technically very far advanced and it was able to really learn a lot from him. Some of those guys back then, the coaches early on, um, you know, the Ernie and the Jim, uh, you know, Bradshaw's, uh, you know, Rocky Morrow's, Wally Bridget's, you know, YBC days back back then. Dave Urban's. Oh, I might have lost it there, the, DB. Uh, Lynn, Lynn Howell, Bruce Mortar. You know, Lynn Howell, Bruce Mortar, Gino Zebarth, right? Lynn and, yeah. Lynn and Bruce were a different level, right? Tom Stevenson was, was our age. Tom, when he worked at Sherwood Bowl, I would have been 18. Right, 17, 18, 19 in there, right? So pretty inspiring to have a guy like that here working next to you. And I think that we had a uh, a bet one year on who was going to average higher bowling. And soon we, soon we learned that Tom knew how to juice the lanes for his own little slow little <laughs> roller all the way in. But so he, yeah. uh, he did okay there. But Tom yeah. got city high average that year, didn't he? Like 272 or something? Yeah, I think so. So those... Yeah. You know those those formative years were the guys that I looked up to, right? Some some good fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So it, you've obviously touched on this a little bit. Um. I'm assuming the Open is your favorite tournament, but do you have a a favorite tournament on the tour or something other than the Open? Yeah. So I would say the Rose Bowl, right? And now the TPC would have been mine. Um. Again, just being Edmonton, right? It's home based. You felt like you're sort of always uh, having an advantage playing at home. Um, you know, I think probably even my best finish in a cash tournament would have been down to the fours on each side at Woodbonny Dune, right? Or TPC would have been uh, like the two of them. You know, I don't think I've ever made it to the semis on either side. Um, you know, it just, it, but th those would be mine too. The, and now again, having a TPC at Shura Park, you know, put me in for all five shifts. I kind of want to make it just because it's home, right? I did. Yeah, right. It's, it's the way it is. Um, kind of building on that, um, you're obviously you started a family and they're getting a little bit older. Do you foresee seeing yourself coming back to the WCB tour a little bit more often, or is it still going to be fairly occasional, mostly a TPC show? Yeah, it's tough, right? Um, you have to. I, I like to play in everything and every weekend and, and everything if I could, but obviously reality doesn't. You can't do that. Um, I do see myself playing more events. It was really nice to come to Regina this year. You know, seeing the Clarks out there was uh, was super cool to be able to see what this whole Regina tournament is about. Of course, we've heard about it 
you know, even 20 years ago about Regina, right? Um, so I never got a chance to do it back then. So that was my first time here. Um, the Autumn Open, I really, um, I used to like. Um, I don't honestly like it because of the, the size of Paradise. Um, I'm a bit more of a, I like bigger space. Um, really cool, you know, people that run the place, Mark and, and, and whatnot. I just, it's a little bit confined for me and I really haven't had a ton of success. And it being Thanksgiving, you're right. Like I do have a family. Um, and I've got in-laws and I've got, uh, you know, everybody wants to, you know, sort of see me and I wanted to see them too. I've, I've spent a lot of time on Easter weekends, not around. So it seems like every long weekend I'm not there, but, um, you know, I do want to play more, you know, mm -hmm. and if, I, if there's more tournaments, then, you know, I'd make every effort. Right. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll try to play them all now and just sort of work my schedules. And, you know, honestly, I was coaching so much, uh, soccer for both my girls, for a lot of years, seven, eight years, and I was coaching five, six nights a week. Uh, it was fun uh, and, and loved every minute of coaching, um, but I missed the competitive side of bowling. And that's why I really, I mean, both of them decided to take a step back this, this uh, winter, so I didn't coach. So I, I quickly jumped at playing on Sunday night and I begged him, get me a spot, because that was my old place that I used to play back in the day was Sunday night match play, right? There were some, some cool guys back then that used to play as a kid. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be back. I don't know if I'm back full, full, but um, we'll see. You know, I, I, I got I got more to learn and more to watch you guys and and to keep trying to get better. I, I don't honestly I hate missing a cut. It's the anger comes out. And that's why I took a big break is because I got angry. Right. And that it's not it's not a good feeling. So, it, it, um, yeah, it's getting tough when there's 150 quality players out there and only 30 of them make them. <laughs> it, <laughs> but, uh, you get yeah. some pickings out there. Daryl, you have an infinite shoe toss video uh, out on the WCBT, so yeah, you do. We, we understand where you're coming from. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, guys, that's why I took a break from from it, right? I mean, Tim, you guys saw me on Sunday night match play. You know, I would take my shoes off after the second game, and I'd bowl my socks for two games, like weeks in a row. Yeah, that's not a good sportsmanship, and you know, and I'm taking time off and I'm supposed to be the president of the Edmonton five pin and on the Alberta five pin. And here I am doing this, you know, I went through the phase of course, punching things and kicking things and that's not cool either. Right. I mean, you have broken hands to deal with that. And so it's, it's time to grow up and you know, that's guess kids do that to you. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So do you have a best match or a favorite match that sticks out in your memory? Ooh, I don't know if I've got individual matches. Um, you know, I've honestly, most of my really good memories are, yeah, there's a good one. Palmer. Thanks, bud. If uh, <laughs> it's first year of the invitation, <laughs> I had a few couple of pops before I uh, did that, but uh, honestly, I had some good teams and, and group matches. I don't really recall a specific me against you kind of a match. Um, maybe, um, oh, Heather Ochar is in the TPC at Collingwood and we were on the consolation side and I think it was like 360 to 350 and I was like, I beat her. And I was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> thing. um, but you know, it was more team thing for me, right? So individual matches and great groups of guys going and, and fighting together. That was that, those are my biggest memories that I take with the, with the sport. Right. So. Right. Um, so obviously you're not big into bowling balls and all that stuff, but we want to know what's in your arsenal. What are you throwing and what are you wearing? 
Yeah, so I wear um, the SSG8s and the a long slider. A, uh, I think it's, it might even be a 10. Henry Schutz gave it to me. A little plug there, pal, on uh, the Invitational that I fell, Palmer. And <laughs> I fell. Um, and uh, I, the slide for me is important. I got to have a big slide, right, and a, and a good there. I like wearing shorts when I bowl, right? It's uh, I, I ripped a few too many pairs of jeans in my growing year. Uh, you got to learn. When you start getting fat, you got to start wearing stretchy jeans. Man, it's brutal. <laughs> and, uh, you know, usually T-shirts, a polo shirt. Um, but my bowling balls that I'll use as a star line, uh, I'm, the, 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 my old red star lines. The sweet peas. And, and uh, the sweet peas, yeah. And then my, uh, you know, soft rolls, right? So they're different size, five inch are the star lines. And a bit more bullish you know there's not a lot of movement on those things i have little markings on the ball i'm sure everybody does little markings that you got to hold it in the exact same spot every time um yeah, yeah. For I sure. have, i'd like to try a bunch more bowling balls to see what they would do for the game right you know and i don't really want to change my line and my approach but i'm okay with trying a couple of different balls if it just snaps a little bit or if it does something i just you know yeah. I'm, I'm sure if you ask me and dexter we probably have pretty much most of the different kinds if you want to try them out. Yeah, well, and that's once bowling happens again, we should be getting yeah. groups of guys together that you can just have a free-for-all and, and practice sessions. You know, I think that's something you, you can you – can not enough people practice, right? Um, you guys, the proprietors, are lucky that you have the time that you can go and throw some balls, but you know what? You're probably not. Um, but not enough of us go and practice. I mean, you guys have leagues five nights a week, and then you're on to a weekend. So – I know I'm talking about practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know I probably missed some questions there, Adam. I'm not sure if you're up on them, if you want to ask him the ones that I've missed. Yeah. The, is, is there anything left on your bucket list? Oh, yeah. I mean, national titles, right, as a, as a team. You know, I'd love to win a singles. You know, I'd love to play for part of the, um, you know, a, an open singles right would be awesome i'd like to make a masters team um you know love to be wcbt i mean let's start with making a cut again right and and then you know see how far i can make a run right I, i'd be happy honestly if i can consistently make three out of four cuts a year other than that i don't need to win a tournament sure it'd be a great thing on the bucket list but I, i'm not going to get ahead of myself here let's let's make cuts and be a guy that you know what can be expected to make the cuts and that's what i want to be right i want to be respected as a you know, as that as a guy who's, he's in there, he's ready to go. As, as a, as a touring guy that has a shot yeah. to win each time you yeah. go out there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Right. I, I think that's, a, that's everybody's main goal, right? You want to, you want to be the guy that people are watching during that shift. They're like, okay, if I can keep pace with that guy, I have a good shot at making the cut. And right. Yeah, I mean, you could sure. do the stats on the last five years of, of, you know, people who make cuts there's probably five guys or, or a handful more that have made every single cut. Right. And then there's probably, well, I don't know, Carrie, I'm asking you, are, are there guys that have never, I, made I don't one? think there's one. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think it's possible with me because I haven't, and I'm sitting at the top. Mitch, and I, I, I know Adam, Adam's missed one, Red maybe two. Mitch. Um, Mitch. Oh, Mitch, maybe. But, but he hasn't played all of them. Right. Yeah, but he's he's yeah. made everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might be made sixteen out of eighteen cuts. Made fifteen out of sixteen cuts. 
Yeah. Uh, there's a handful, but there's not a lot. So no. it'd be cool to be a guy that at least makes 50% of your cuts, right? I think that'd be a starting point. And then, you know, a few things left to do in this, right? Yeah. I'd like to see bowling get big too. That would be a bucket list, right? Just to sort of get some some TV and some of that sort of going again, right? It would be, it'd be, it'd be another level for you guys. I think that actually segues really nicely into um, another question. What what do you see as kind of the next level of the sport or uh, what, what can still be improved uh, in your mind? You, you've been on so many boards. Uh, you've seen the, the back end of it all. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, well, I think you're heading in the right direction. I think you're doing great there. Um, you know, honestly, I don't know the day-to-day inner of how much you're emailing you know, trying to contact TSN, which I'm sure is every day. Um, I don't know. Obviously, there's some sponsorship side of things that would be great to get some some added sponsorship. Um, you know, for me to judge and to tell you what you need to do without really knowing exactly what you're doing would be tough to say. I know that you're doing the right thing and you're on the right track. Um, you just need that one lucky bounce that somebody's going to say, yes, let's do it. You know, um, you know, if there's a way that I can help with some of those conversations, obviously I'm blessed that I do know a, a fair amount of people out there, both in the business and in the political and in the sporting side. Um, you know, I think that we might need to get to the point of having some direct conversations and asking for it. And mm-hmm. if they tell you no, okay, why? And then, you know, you keep doing the, the thing that you're doing here. Um, from a tournament standpoint, um, you know, you've only got five events. Uh, it'd be great to see that one come in, you know, Manitoba, right? So now you've got six events, you know, is there an opportunity to run smaller um, circuit events? You know, it's a Saturday night event or it's a Thursday night event or it's a, you know, little, little stats, little things, right? For the bowlers, that, but don't, but they don't cost them money to come and play and do, right? You got a ton of competitive bowlers here in Edmonton. How can we get them to play more often? Right. You have little regionals, you know, I don't know. It's something I'd love to chat with you guys more about and to see how I can help. And if there's something that we can put together to to really see if we can get this from you're like I said, you're already doing a good job. You're already on the right track. But it's it's probably something that needs to be formulated on on how to make this a lot better. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's definitely been in the in the conversations a lot is how how could we introduce like the ATP 500 when we have majors going on, is there a feasibility behind it and stuff like that? It's just, it's so tough for the WCBT to start introducing all these little tournaments to help promote like your, like your regional players and stuff like that. When you got masters three times in the bowling season, you got open qualifying, you got interprovincials, you got all these other smaller association tournaments that are running that all these league players get to play um, it's part of their cost or whatever that, that situation. It would be hard to bump those and create conflicts with those other associations just to grow the, I guess, the more scratch side of things. I, I think there's a market for it. I just, do you step on toes and push your agenda forward to promote the competitive side? I, I don't know. I think that's what you need to do is define what it is that you want to be, right? And then you go and do what you want to do rather than uh, catering to everybody else. You know, perhaps you, there are some partnerships with the organizations, the associations, the masters, the Bull Canada's, the, you know, has that, have those conversations been had? Has Is there a gap to bridge there, you know, calling Paul Oliveira? 
they all know what WCTC is doing. Um, but they they definitely know what the WCBT doing, and I think that all the guys down east with the club tour they know as well. Um, it's just a big country, and how do we uh, how do we define that? So, what if uh, what if they're not conflicting and they're working in conjunction? Great, you know, yeah, right. like I, I mean, like we for regionals. If you're talking about regionals, you know, if you're a WCBT member, you play the Open, you play the Masters. You know, you finish top spot. You could keep, you know, you could keep one regional tournament or two regional tournaments, and you know they max out at like forty points or something like that. Maybe you, you know, somebody who plays the Open and does well at the Open might be interested in playing in a WCBT event because they'd be getting points from the Open from their local area. Maybe, maybe we could work together with the organizations and mm-hmm. rather than conflicting. The the, the club tour uh, piggybacked with the. Uh... Masters for a while out there, right? And I think that's that's feasible, uh, and to some extent, um, I, I don't see it being un, unreasonable for some things. I think honestly, I think some events might might benefit more adding other things in, right? Um, I, I, I I'll be honest with you, I, and this is just me personally speaking, and I obviously have feelings with all associations. I, um, I, I don't think Bowl Canada is the right option for it. To be honest with you, Bowl Alberta, I think. Um, there's too many hands in the pot when it comes to proprietors wanting a piece of the pie, I think. Um, I think this is where the tour is really good. We have some really good dedicated volunteers that that work well together and the centers work really well together and those centers that are wanting to be part of it um, and I think uh, are for the game, right? And I think there's a mis... mis- I, I, think, I think there's going to be... I'm just worried about that aspect, right? Um, I think there's certain centers like... Uh, I know Heartland Bowl is a great uh, sponsor, and and that if we had like a you know ATP 500 thing you're talking about there, Kerry, that would make total sense. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I think that would be more geared towards those eight lane centers and stuff yeah. like that. You could have those regional events or whatever at those centers. You could do a two day tournament with a step ladder at the end, or or something to that effect, mm-hmm. where you could film it, you could produce it. Like it wouldn't take much, right? Um, yeah. So my uh, it's finding a weekend for obviously that, right? you guys are all volunteers, right? The full board WCBT. Um, when do you decide we're going to hire somebody and pay them, but now we're going to have accountability, right? <laughs> Go and get sponsorship. So you know what, you're Carrie, we're going to pay you five grand, but your oh. duties you have to go get ten grand in sponsorship, right? But you have an accountability <laughs> now to it. <laughs> Right there, there. I mean, by having a paid position, you have to have certain sets of metrics and accountability and performance reviews. And that's what you put the application out is the pro is that. And part of that person is they're responsible for X, Y, Z and all these things. Right. So that would take you to the next level of having a fund development manager that's responsible for growing sponsorship. Right. And you don't get paid unless you unless you bring money in. That's just the way it works. Right. Mm-hmm. You, but you have other responsibilities and you're you're responsible for creating revenue opportunities, right, um, for them. Well, TV, I can tell you right now, if I had a different job, I would be fired because I spend so much time you know, on the WCBT side of things, not alone the five-pin universe side of things. Um, I'm lucky that I have a job that I can bounce emails in and out whenever I need to. But, like, if I was working anywhere else, I'd – it's crazy the amount of volunteer time that is put into 
keeping the WCBT rolling the way it is and introducing new avenues like Five Pin Universe Media and trying to create a bigger audience that really is the, the struggle of Five Pin Bowling, right? Yeah, but I say, you know, at what point, Carrie, are you going to burn out and you can't do it all for a volunteer anymore? There needs to be some sort of an honorarium or a wage. And I'm not saying, you know, 50 grand or 100 grand to, you know, replace your other one, but maybe there's a thousand dollars. But hey, Carrie, we're going to give you a thousand bucks, but we want all of this to be done, right? So as an organization, you know, WCBT might want to think about how can we start to really, um, hold accountability and have somebody do the work for you because you guys are burning yourselves out. You know, I look at Mark and I, you know, myself, you know, all the boards and all the associations and all the side time we put in and we put in so much time into it, but we get tired, man. And there's a lot of people before us and out and across the country that put a lot of time and volunteer time in, and it's not about getting paid, but man, it was sure would be if you put something into place, it's a depreciation, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. And if WCBT wants to go, then that might be something that you want to look at is having a fund development manager, right? That is responsible for $250 at a time, right? Building a 10 grand kitty, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's obviously has to be the next step where the WCBT be, can become sustainable through the sponsorships, the advertising that it is producing for, um, because let's be fair, like the WCB Tour Championship was probably the best thing that could have happened for the tour, but it's still only one televised event. Like, there's gotta, we gotta progress and be able to produce the finals at TPC, produce the finals at Red Deer, and create more shows because you wait all year long for one set of shows. It's, uh, it's a lot of work. Yeah. For that. And I think that's where advertisers are like, well, all all this money for one one time a year is kind of yeah. tough, right? I mean, you guys are live streaming the the all the tour events, but can you not edit some of the events? You know, can you have a host uh doing interviews at each of the events? You know, can you have biopics and somebody that's in the background even doing the editing, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's what I'm saying is that you hire somebody and their part of their responsibility is creating revenue and running the events day that, that same day. Right. So a bit more of that structure type of thing, um, you know, it's there, there's something right. Yeah. Well, and, and unfortunately, most of us on the board are competitors. So we want to be the ones on the shows and stuff like that. So we're, we're trying to stay focused and play while doing all that. Um, yeah. But like, it's the old saying, Daryl, it's a catch 22. You need money to make money. Right. So it, I definitely hear what you're saying. And that is definitely the next step. It's just finding volunteers to help set that up where this can become a possibility is, is going to be the the next step, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely moving in the right direction. We're definitely doing a good job guys. You know, maybe there's, you know, you just, I know you're doing your board and you have those, um, the budgets and the numbers, and I know Blair's wonderful and Eisenhower and everybody. So you're on the right track, right? If there's ever any advice that you'd wanted from my experience, because I've had a bit of experience. I'm not saying that I know anything. I don't want to stand here and preach either, right? Uh, don't get me wrong, but I'm happy to lend my support and my help in any way that I can. Um, and if there's some some sponsors that you can get to to promote it more, yeah, we should be promoting and doing an event for uh, 
uh, a video for each one, right? Some, some, mm -hmm. so. But see, my, 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 my hard part is like everybody talks about sponsorship, right? And, and the problem with I, I mean, I love you guys all, but sponsorship just doesn't come easily, right? We gotta, it, it, it's, it's, trust a, me, I know too. Right. And I, I, like it's, it's, everybody thinks it's the, the easiest answer to things, but it's the toughest one, right? And, I, I don't know whether that's uh, – I think the biggest thing is obviously social media, getting shares, likes, you know, follows. I mean, I, I know it's just the 5 pin universe, but we gained over 250 likes this week, right? We we already – 25% we raised up. Um, but I think it, that's where people start seeing um, the demographics and, and, and the values in that. So, like, when, when people are following along, you guys have to sh like and share and, and do all that kind of stuff. It helps us with that. Um, Cause it's, it's like Daryl said, like, it's tough going to a sponsor and be like, Hey, can I, you want to sponsor me? It's like, well, what do you have? Like, let me see your numbers. Right. So it's easier for everybody to say, Hey guys, sponsorship's great, but we got to figure out and you guys got to help us and bowling. Right. It works together on trying to get these numbers for everybody. Yeah. you got to have, I'm sure you do. Right. Is the level of the friends of the tour, bronze, silver, you know, gold, all these things. And you have those, right. Um, you know, and different different levels of trying to create revenue. You know, yeah, exactly. But social media is obviously the biggest part of all this. Like Tim said, we we grew our audience quite a bit this last couple of weeks. Ever since we decided to go live and do a lot of this push, we have almost thirteen hundred people supposedly liking, following our page, but we get 20, 20 shares. 40 likes like we this is where we need our audience mm -hmm. people that are supposedly invested in in this media source or the wcbt to help promote that um i know if anybody goes to my facebook profile they're probably disgusted because it's all bowling it's all <laughs> wcbt fine, yeah. all five pin universe but unfortunately that it is sickening but that's what it takes to get it in the forefront and try mm -hmm. and move it along right so something, yeah, something that Dexter and I tried last week was uh, uh, we did that center thing, right? And I, we gained a lot of traction off that, a lot of views. And again, like, love you, Dex. Thank you for doing that. It was great. Um, he did all the, the graphic work and everything else with that. Um, yeah, we, we forgot Amira, but I mean, it's Amira. But, uh, <laughs> it's, but gone so, <laughs> it's gone anyways. But I think things Tim like that. kills something else. <laughs> I think things like that really make a difference. Um, and I think we're gonna come up with something else just to keep people active and keep people talking and sharing and liking. And, um, I mean, we have a little bit more time on our hands with COVID, so uh, <laughs> we're gonna try to work on some more stuff like that. <laughs> it's good because I can actually use work time and uh, you know, not, not feel bad about it because I'm not getting paid, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Government's paying you. <laughs> 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 Oh man! Hey, Davey, uh, so if, if, yeah. if you had to challenge anybody, uh, past, present, uh, in your career, who would it be? Challenge anybody? Yeah. Like, past, present. We were like a one one match for a million dollars. Who are you doing? Oh, oh, boys! Probably Johnny. No, I don't know. Just he worked with me. I, don't I like know. that. Well, you right? would fire him if you lost, right? Well, yeah. It wouldn't matter if, if he lost, Johnny would buy the business. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Million, <laughs> million, 
<laughs> I don't know, guys. That's a one a one challenge. There's there's a lot of guys that I'd want to play, or I still want to play, right? Um, I couldn't I couldn't tell you one. There's there's a lot of guys, you know. Of course, playing a guy like Bruce Mortar back in the day would have been awesome, right? In the match, playing Lynn Howell in the day would have been cool, right? Brian Goodhope, you know, some of these guys like. You know, got a lot of respect for the old timers that have been around and, and playing. You know, uh, Tom Patterson, right? You know, some of these guys, you know, Blair Pizzi's back in the day. I'm, I'm, I like the, I like the old school and like to have some matches there that would be, would be fun to play. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I'd like the whole idea of doing a three game match because I'm not really good at those. <laughs> I'd rather play somebody in a 10 game marathon, right? And just change my change my focus a bit because then I feel like I'd have a longer time of playing them, you know, right? Yeah. Thing. So, yeah, oh, that's awesome. Uh, have you guys been checking out any of uh, Sean Wells' uh, posts recently? He's been uh, posting a bunch of CBC old videos, and mm. yep. it's uh, been pretty fun watching some of those those old school players. There's a bucket list, Webs, is back in the day when they had the CBC and TSNs here qualifying, I think there were six in a row that I was the next in line. I was third place or second place when they only took one guy. Like, you know, uh, Mark Jackson would win and then uh, Dale Lalemo. Remember Dale? Right? And like just there was six years in a row that I was I was the next guy going out of 50 or 60 guys. And Grady kept like another third place spot. I'm like, yeah, way to go, right? So that would have been cool to play, uh, you know, in a in a match and on TV would have been would have been a lot of fun, right? Absolutely. Just a different back. It's coming back. Yeah, just a different media. It's on YouTube now, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, That is a that is a constant conversation. I know there's a lot, there's a few cable cutters out there. Do you really see um, YouTube ever replacing um, national television? I I can't see it. There's just too many. For this... sports? I, I, I don't know. Because, like, honestly, the only reason, the only reason that I have cable at all is for sports. Mm-hmm. Literally. And I haven't, I haven't even turned on my my TELUS TV since COVID happened because there's no sports. There's literally no reason for me to turn it on. Um, And I was at the point where uh, when I moved into this place, I got a free year of internet and TV. And then it, um, it uh, ran out and I called them. I was like, Hey, I want you to remove the, uh, remove the TV and just keep the internet because I was going to buy MLB TV and like NHL TV and call her a day and uh they just gave me a, a deal that i couldn't refuse so i have it still but uh otherwise yeah i i would absolutely cut tv and just do the sports that way so i could see I'm just thinking like 50 percent of the population is what 45 plus do you, i don't see my parents i don't see any of my relatives that are over my age ever going and sitting down and watching youtube over national television Productions. You got, you got channels. They got shows like Forged in Fire, man. Yeah, Deadliest Catch, Yukon <laughs> Gold. Like so, exactly my point. So yeah. Yeah. you can still find those online, though. Jerry, you said, you said, you said forty-five, right? It's all it's all in one spot, though, Dexter. Instead yeah. of having to pay for all these different subscriptions and jumping yeah. across all these different island it, of Brian. 
Come on, yeah. Daryl. Daryl is our prime logic right here. He is almost forty-five, right? So he's giving <laughs> us the inside information here. And Tim, yeah, <laughs> I remember getting chucked in a garbage can. Mm, I don't remember. You're ways away here. You're ways away here, you pussy. So yeah, I'm not I, I, I like <laughs> anytime you want, I would still take your ass down in a pinch. Okay. Okay, old man. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> nine years old, ten years old, and I'd be working there. Yeah, yeah. Sure, bowl, and these little wise men punks come in, flying in, right? <laughs> yeah. I think I grabbed both of you in one arm and chucked you both in the garbage can at the same time and put the lid on top of you, right? Yeah, yeah. I think you do the vacuuming real early too, boys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you need a big garbage can though. Yeah, yeah, it's a dumpster. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you two probably, I mean, aside from a few of the you know old YBC guys, the Robert Parks and uh, Scott Parsons, Scott Rice, right? Like yeah. some of these guys, you know, you two are the ones that we've known. I've known the longest, right? Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. 10 years old. That's 30 something years that, you know, we've been hanging out at Sure Bowl together. So you got to, it's home, right? Second home. home. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. All right. Anybody got a, Another topic they want to talk about? You guys remember some of your favorite teams for the Open? And I know that's mostly WCBT, but I, you know the Open teams have been some good, some good runs, right? You guys have all been to nationals and some of those. Do you still sort of have your top three, four teams that you've been on? So I'll I'll start because I know obviously I thought 2017 Open was the best team I've ever been on. That national uh, team, oh, yeah, man. Um, obviously, 2010 I thought was really special. I mean, uh, playing with yeah, Brutes and that. Some of the guys, yeah. Say some of the guys. So, uh, 2017, we just kind of gelled really well. It was Adam, me, uh, Heller, Sean Heller, Adam Camp, Freddie, um, and and uh, Evan and Coach Mike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, funny story. Freddie texted me. We're out of beer out here, so he he talked to the <laughs> brewmaster for me this week. So, um, but that was a team that we were really close knit with. Uh, and in obviously 2010, I had Dax on it, one of our first nationals. Um, had Bruce on there, uh, which is just amazing. Uh, Brett Mapstone, Sean Heller again. Lynn was our coach, and I think I'm missing one. Johnstone. Oh, whoops, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. sorry, buddy. <laughs> you know, he's been <laughs> it's been a rele- it's been a relevant. Um, sorry, Johnstone. Um, and then that, that was a really good team. And otherwise, like to be, yeah, those are the two really good teams. Obviously, won nationals last year. Um, different team altogether. It was a little bit, a little bit different. Um, but th- th- those are the two teams that really stand up uh, for me. That uh, that 2010 for the Open was definitely. For me, one of my favorites for sure. Um, it was uh, it was like from start to finish, especially at nationals. It was absolutely hilarious. Uh, we were in Winnipeg. Uh, Mark was going for double gold. Um, he was a single and, and on the team. Um, we played an entire day down a man because uh, this was this is when, <laughs> this is when you could play. You, you know, you'd have the teams play night one day. And the, or sorry, morning the one day, and then the, you'd have the night off while the singles play, and then the singles would play in the morning the next day, and the teams would play at night. So you almost had a full twenty four hours in between, sort of thing. Um, so the one night uh, we were in uh, we were in Winnipeg, and uh, me and Brett Mapstone were drinking pretty hard in the casino because the casino was attached to the hotel, Beauty. and uh, we were having beer chugging contests. And apparently Brett doesn't drink very well, 
So uh, we went to bed at like midnight and we didn't have to play till four in the afternoon. So, well, okay, we got tons yeah. of time, right? We get up at, uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning. I get out of my hotel room. Brett gets out of his hotel room at the same time, hammers me. And he goes, hey, man, what's up? I'm like, hey, buddy, not much. He was like, I'm still wasted. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you went to bed 10 hours ago. So here we are. He has to go to he has to go to the Mint with his family because the Mint is in Winnipeg, and that's a great family trip. So he goes and does that, comes back to bowl. We start bowling at like 3.30. That's when the hangover hits. Just, just a complete nightmare. His his first like four practice balls were in like the right gutter, and then he <laughs> the, the, his first frame he went like right two pin, left three pin, right two pin through the hole, and Lynn subsequently pulled him and yeah. said, "You get out of here. You go for a walk. You do what you have to do to figure your shit out, and then come back here." And uh, he came back like three games later, <laughs> and, and it was it was honestly it was so harmless. And the, I don't know how it went off the rails, but man, was it funny! And it's funny because we won, right? Like we're it's all good. But yeah, uh, it was it was absolutely hilarious. That when we got into the champions room, Lynn was like, "Okay, guys, you got to be respectful. Uh, I don't want you guys to get completely wasted in here and then not be able to stand." on you know on the on the podium so you know have your drink or two but be respectful so we're okay sounds good lynn go in we grab our two drinks turn around look at lynn he's got literally five caesars sitting in front of him (laughs) (laughs) all right i guess we're going lynn (laughs) yeah you ever you know what i've got uh, i've been on a a ton of amazing teams but uh there's two that really stand out that that one is 17 with timmy and in uh, the, was Sudbury, right, Timmy? Uh, for for some reason, that team just gelled a hundred percent the whole time. We'd get back to the dorms and not talk bowling, so it, it was just a, it was a pure experience. And then we get out there and we were phenomenal. And uh, then we decided, uh, you know, at that point, Michael Cousy is much better coach than a bowler, so um, <laughs> and, and he hasn't really done nothing since. So. Um, <laughs> And then my my other probably favorite experience was probably the the oddest team I've ever played on. Uh, back in 2011, uh, we ended up uh, I think we were down in Lethbridge that year, and uh, that was the year that they they made me choose. Uh, and uh, I, I ended up you know choosing the team for for a number of reasons, uh, but it, it was like the oddest team uh, gel that that was out there, and we went and ended up winning nationals. Uh, with it, it was uh, like me and uh, Gombach and Stephen Lorisher and uh, Mark Miller as a baby and um, who else was on there? Colin Christensen and TJ Carrier. Like, yeah, like it, it was just such an odd team, but you know, still end up making that decision because uh, I had a lot of belief in the team as well. And then uh, go and go and take it on, right? So uh, those those are probably the two experiences that that probably mean a lot to me last year was incredible too um you know we we go with uh with that edmonton team all the way through and like probably the the four you know big big hitters at at the time and uh then we had marciano and uh uh, who's our sixth doing right so uh phenomenal experience there as well but how about you carry down in uh central i mean or the masters for that matter um, 
No, probably the open. Tim would know what year it was. Um, our team went, I think, four and one again, or one and four against Edmonton, but four and one against Calgary, and we end up winning out of provincials. And then we uh, we played unreal at nationals. We were we were locked going into the last day, I think, in the first position, and it was just a one game step ladder for us. We won, um, but that was Gino, uh, Gary Baird, Victor Fulbert, myself. Eric. Uh, Eric Chose Shelby. and Shelby. Yeah. Shelby Crest. And our coach was Greg Giglick. Greg just, he you? said, well, thanks for picking me. Cause he said, I'm not coaching at all. He said, I'm just sitting back and watching. <laughs> yeah. He like, he could slap up any, any list we wanted up there. Lineup didn't matter. Cool. Um, we, we played unreal. We just didn't match up well against Edmonton, which was weird, but we crushed Calgary and then Calgary crushed Edmonton. So we came Calgary crushed Edmonton. So we came out ahead in the provincials. So I've had a lot of ton, a ton of fun over the years playing on all my teams, right? Like honestly, probably the best experience is still the cool in my mind that I always remember is Oh three in Vancouver for nationals. It was uh heritage, I think for provincials, right? With Mark Jackson, Casey Campbell, Sean Smith, Mark uh, Johnstone and uh, Jimmy Norcus. And it was just, I think I went 18 and one or something like that in provincials in two spot. And just, it was just a dynamite. Everybody had a great time. We gelled so good. And then we went to nationals and Johnny and I were pretty, you know, rookie and green at the time and come to the opening night, uh, the Wednesday night, I think it would have been the, the opening tea type of thing. And it was kind of boring and looking around, I'm like, well, this kind of sucks. So we went and got a volleyball or we had a volleyball that we bought at the store. And of course, with a whole bunch of booze that we had bought <laughs> and we bought this volleyball, there was a Nike ball. So we ended up bringing Nick down to the banquet and we started playing pepper in the middle of the tea. And people are looking around like, who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> right. And of course we went on that weekend as cocky as could be and had a great weekend. We won nationals. You know, we were, you know, I think obviously there was the the the, ho the host rooms and the the banquet room. You're selling the drinks for eight or nine dollars a drink. But Johnny and I, green as could be, are like, well, let's just start running booze out of our room. So of course we filled up our bathtub full of booze and ice, and we had to go and shower in somebody else's room in the mornings, and we were running. Like <laughs> I mean, we're like, we're just the rookies on site. Like this, what's this five pin nationals all about? Playing volleyball in the hallway, and just you know, we were up till three or four o'clock in the morning every night, like. So, I mean, that experience is, is pretty cool and sticks with me. There's, you know, I made nationals with a mixed team with, uh, you know, Brad Assen and uh, Brett Mapstone and, uh, you know, some of the ladies, Katie and Michelle and uh, and Kristen, right? Like Casey was the coach there. That's, you know, so those are the memories that are cool, right? So remember your team stuff. I think everybody does. Winning singles is, is cool, but being part of a team is, is pretty neat, right? That's why I like it would be cool to run – some team events, you know, WCBT, maybe there's some points you guys could do of your, your bakers or your trios or those things. Those can be some point systems on a team side. I don't know. Right. Yeah. The there, there's been some talks about maybe doing a team event or including a doubles event inside of one of those tournaments. You have a separate doubles step ladder after everything um, from the qualifying or something like that. But that leads me into kind of a question. We had the inaugural Gallagher Cup last year, and you were one of the coaches for, uh, unfortunately, yeah. the winning team. Yeah. Um, how was that experience for you? That was awesome. That was, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys for asking me to do that. You know, I still, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of in that middle ground, right? Like, I haven't really bowled competitively for a while, but, you know, I've sure coached a few times. But I just, you know, it's cool of you guys to want me to be there and ask me to be there with, you know, the Lynn's. 
uh, you know, who was the coach, Gigliak and Bruce, right? And Bruce, so, yeah. you know, when you ask me to be part of those guys to, to coach with them, that, that you know, thanks, right? Like, so it was super cool to be part of it. You know, when I was sitting down the pitch and hanging out with you guys, it just sort of feels, felt old. And that's why I wanted to be back this year and playing and, uh, you know, want to earn my stripes as a player and not just as a, as a guy on the side. And, you know, I can talk my way out of a wet paper bag. So, you know, we're, we're, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's cool to be back and I appreciate that. Right. So keep, keep, keep asking me to come, keep patting me on the back and I'll keep playing and old DB and Popeye and skinny D and you know, some of these guys. <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure to film the draft this year. So uh, yeah. there's no shady stuff going on. Yeah. The KG bowl, like, I mean, guys, when we go on singles tournaments to KG, I don't know the years, but there was 12 of us that would stay in that suite. Right. Like, I mean, some of them guys, like it got, some nights got pretty, you know, crazy. And we'd be playing poker at the big boardroom table, you know, 12 of us. While I remember Gino trying to sleep right next day and he's, he's in the, he's in the qualifying the next day. We're like, we don't really give a shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're playing. Right. So, so, man. uh, um, do you, the autumn open back when it was in Toppler and we were all staying at the Econo Lodge. Do you remember us playing pillow fuck face? I remember pillow. Who who told you pillow fuck face? Yeah. Okay. No. 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 Yeah. No. I realized, but uh, see, I'm asking. Like, I'm the, I'm the you know kingpin DB for a reason because I started all this shit. I'm I'm asking if you remember playing it because there's oh, a difference. I remember playing it with you, Dad. Because no, because we were in the hotel room. It was like one in the morning, and yeah. you said we were going to play this, and I asked who you wanted to go first, yeah. and you told me. Yeah. So I I hit you first, and then yeah. you went down, and you, then I bought. I buffaloed on a on a forty, <laughs> and I went and did that, and I went back to get my turret, and you were like, "No, no, no, you go first. <laughs> wow. I was like, "Oh shit, team? I that hit him good." We might have got lost in the bathroom. That was yeah, in, Ely, in Ely's bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what I was yeah. doing. I was, yeah, oh, that was the time. Okay, we're extending into uh, five pin after dark here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, I think we're going to wrap this one up. You're more than welcome to stay after to have a talk, but uh, I can't thank you guys enough for joining. Thanks again, DB, for being on. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it.